0: This is The Visible Hand. My name is Jordi i Vidal. My guest today is Erika De Serrano, who is an assistant professor of economics at Bocconi University and the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. Today, we are going to talk about her paper, Minimum Wage and Individual Worker Productivity, evidence from a large US retailer, joined with Desio Covielo and Nicola Persico, The paper was published at the Journal of Political Economy in 2022. Erika, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Jordi. Nice being here.
0: So in this paper, you study how having a higher or lower minimum wage in a certain jurisdiction affects the effort and therefore the productivity of workers. As you mentioned in the paper, this is a question for which there is little evidence. But another question for which there is A lot of evidence is the effect of minimum wage on employment. Could you, before we move into the into your paper, quickly summarise what methods and results characterise this earlier literature of the effects on employment?
1: Absolutely. So, as you say, Jordi, there is a very wide literature on the effect of minimum wage on employment, and this has been very hotly debated. There has been different empirical methods to study this question, with some papers using a border discontinuity design, finding typically milder effect on employment, typically no effect on employment. And then some other literature using more a state panel approach um, without restricting on board, without using really the border discontinuity design and finding typically more negative effect on employment. And the paper I'm going to talk about will take a different approach uh, and will focus instead on the productivity of workers. But I think we'll have the time to talk about
0: this. What is a border discontinuity design?
1: The idea of a border discontinuity design is to compare worker on each side of a county um, border. So basically you're really comparing workers on one side of a border to worker on the other side of the same border. Uh, The idea is to hold fixed unemployment or to hold, fix any other economic variables that may be, you know, more similar across the two borders rather than comparing them across borders um, in the whole country.
0: So when something changes for one group and it doesn't change for another group, economists and I guess scholars in other disciplines have been using uh, what we call difference in difference estimators which looks at the different evolution of whatever left-hand side variable we have on the treated group and compared with the with the control group. So the border discontinuity design will be just like a, a limitation or a, or a characteristic of the sample that makes sure that the treatment and the control group are more identical in other respects relative to you know not having a constraint and maybe um, having these two groups being very different, both in levels and in their changes over time.
1: Exactly. That's exactly the idea. So the idea is to compare treatment groups uh, to a control group really nearby with the idea of holding fixed uh, correlates of the, of the minimum wage change. So the idea is that the two, the treatment and the control group should really vary only in the level of the minimum wage.
0: In this other like, literature of minimum wage unemployment, there are different theories. But one theory that will make sense to most people who have studied even cursory economics is that when the price of labor becomes higher, then firms might want to buy less of it, so employment goes down. There are other theories there. There's, as you said, a very hot debate and everything. But most economists will have at least given some type of like a cursory thought you know, to what might happen. What I had not thought that much about before reading your paper was what we might expect will be the effect of the minimum wage on the productivity of workers. Could you describe here what type of a theory you have or what type of effects will you theoretically predict that will be associated uh, with this relation?
1: Absolutely. So the theory we have in mind has basically ambiguous predictions on the effect of the minimum wage on worker productivity. And let me just say that this paper really focuses on that. So the theory is really trying to really get at the effect of the minimum wage on worker productivity. One can look at many things, but that's really the focus. So theoretically, if you're in a setting of a job, which is a pay-for-performance job, like like in our context... The minimum wage can either reduce effort or increase effort, and this is what we're going to test with data later on. So theoretically, a higher minimum wage can demotivate uh, effort provision because it flattens the pay schedule. So basically, the minimum wage can decrease effort because uh, by reducing the sensitivity of the wage to effort. Now, it could also increase effort if the minimum, if it can increase effort provision because of the fear of losing a now, how you paying job and hence being unemployed for some time. And this is the idea of an efficiency wage channel, Ala Rebitzer, Taylor and Shapira uh, and Stiglitz. So basically, this is the idea. The idea is that if you're a worker, the minimum wage increases. And if by being fired, you, you're going to be unemployed for some time then a higher minimum wage should make you more attached to the job and may increase the extent to which you provide effort to avoid being uh, being fired. And so basically, theoretically, we have these two mechanisms, one that says that effort should go down, the other one that says that effort could go up, uh, and the idea of the paper is to test which one prevails.
0: So let me repeat them here because they are really important in order to understand uh, the rest of the paper. So if I am paid a very low wage, I kind of don't really care that much whether I have this job or I look for another job somewhere else or I'm unemployed. But if the minimum wage is very high, this means that being employed in this job is very attractive to me. So I want to do whatever I can to not be fired. And one way to not be fired is to put effort such that my employer doesn't see me shirking. Right? That that would be the efficiency wage channels that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. The uh, incentive uh, performance pay channel will be one in which in order to get people to put effort, I need to make sure that I pay them, I give them a reward if their performance is high and I don't give it to them if their performance is low. But if the minimum wage is high, then I cannot use the stick or I cannot punish them with a, a lower wage when their performance is low. Therefore, having a performance pay doesn't incentivize as much.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right.
0: So one thing that is uh, important uh, here is uh, that there is no reaction of whoever is setting uh, this performance pay to the existence of the minimum wage, right? Because if the minimum wage becomes higher, I as an employer may say, okay, well providing incentives has become harder, maybe I can do something else. But this did not happen in the type of setting that you study. Why did it not happen? You will think that firms optimally react, you know, to whatever environment they observe, and they will yeah. be changing contracts. But it didn't happen here. Why not?
1: Yeah, and I think, it, you know, the question of how the minimum wage impacts and, you know, impacts contract is a very important one. But the context we are studying here is the context of a nationwide U.S. retail firm that hires a large portion of retail workers. And because it's a nationwide firm, what happens is that they have stores, in our specific cases, in counties that are affected that with higher or lower minimum wage. And so we see that you know the extent to which they take decision, because it's quite centralized, um, it's not really going to change with the minimum wage. So we don't see, for example, prices of goods really being difference in counties or in places with higher minimum wage. We don't see the firm reacting by changing the contract. And so we are really going to be in a setting where we're going to think about the effect of the minimum wage on worker productivity without any, changing, any changes in the contract, meaning that we won't see really changes in the base rate or in the piece rate as a response to the minimum wage. You could expect something different so if we were thinking or about a small firm located in one specific geographical location, but that's not going to be the case in our setting.
0: Could you tell us more things about the setting? I know you cannot name the retailer, but just a you know who are the workers, what do they do, how many stores you have, how many workers, what is the length of the data set, and so on.
1: Absolutely. So here we have data from salespeople who work at a large U.S. retailer, as, as I was saying. And this is a large retailer that is employing roughly 10% of the department store employees nationwide. It operates across more than 2,000 stores um, in the U.S., and it employs more than 40,000 salespeople. And the focus of this paper is really on salespeople. So these, these are people who are selling items And the data is going to be sort of an HR data set where for each worker, we are going to observe how much they earn, their productivity, and their termination from 2012 to 2015. We'll have monthly data for each salespeople every month from 2012 to 2015, which across the U.S. spans like covers roughly 70 minimum wage changes at the state or at the local
0: level. What do these salespeople do?
1: Yes. Yeah, so what they do is that they basically um, employees enters in the stores and they have to provide information about the items. They have to, you know, explain, you know, what are the benefits of each product. They can cross sell by also sort of convincing them to get the insurance warranties. They can, you know, if if a client is interested in an item, they propose different brands. Uh, and they convince them to buy maybe the most ex- the brand that gives them highest margin. So really, the goal of these salespeople is to, in- to sell. And in fact, the productivity measure is going to be the value of sales per hour.
0: So you have, this is a very big uh, retailer. You have uh, a lot of observations, a lot of salespeople and everything. That's great. Do you have workers in these retailers who are not paid for performance?
1: Uh, so within our context, everyone is paid for performance and the, co- the, the type of worker we are going to study are uh, salespeople. Now, we don't actually have data on cashiers, but within these retailers, for example, there are cashiers uh, and we know that their, performance is less re- their pay is less related to performance. But these are not part of this study. The data we have for is really for salespeople who have a high portion of their pay uh, based on performance.
0: So you have discussed the two channels through which uh, theoretically the minimum wage could affect productivity, but an important uh, prediction of your theoretical uh, framework is that these two channels should be affecting workers uh, differently depending on where these workers sit in the distribution of ability. What are your specific predictions about this?
1: Yes, yeah, so the, the prediction of the models is that a worker should be more affected by the minimum wage if the pay of that worker is more supported by the minimum wage. So in a way, this is the idea. The idea is that if you're a low-ability worker, a higher minimum wage will really impact your pay because you're likely to be in a situation where your pay is prompted up or in a situation where the company has to top you up. Um, If you're high ability, the minimum wage really doesn't matter because your pay will always be above the minimum wage. So whether you have a higher minimum wage or not will have less impact on you. Now, in the model, uh, what is going to be really key, though, is going to be the presence of monitoring. So the idea here is that the minimum wage should really impact the productivity of low pay workers, of low ability workers. In stores where there is high monitoring, where basically the store is going to be able to detect who is shirking and depending, and if shirking can, you know, will fire those workers. So there is going to be an effect on low pay workers, but only if there is monitoring. If there is no monitoring effectively, there is no incentive to provide more effort because effort and, and, um, and termination are going to be less related to each other.
0: So let me see what I understood it. You talked earlier about uh, two effects, and now you're telling me that these two effects, that they have a different uh, predictions, and therefore the effect is ambiguous, because we don't know what effect is going to dominate. But these two effects should be present only for low-ability workers. Because it is these workers that are affected by the minimum wage. Whereas high-ability workers, let's imagine a worker who uh, earns so much that there is zero chance that the worker will ever be affected by, will ever receive the minimum wage. For those, the effects will be zero, right? So every time that something changes, your prediction is going to be that, that we don't know the sign, but the low-ability workers will be the ones affected, whereas the high-ability workers will not. And then secondly, you said the effect is also only going to be there if the store is associated with high monitoring, because it is only then that the the worker can be fired if the worker puts less effort. Is that the prediction?
1: These are exactly the predictions. And so we're going to look at low versus high ability workers, and then we're going to look at stores with high versus low monitoring.
0: How do you measure whether a worker is high or low ability?
1: So the main measure we use is whether the worker was selling a lot or little, basically the median in the periods before the minimum wage. And then we have a number of alternative measures that we use as robustness in the paper, where we look at sales in the first month, or we you know we try to estimate worker fixed effects, and we estimate and again we divide this into low, medium, or high types in terms of sales.
0: So as we were mentioning earlier, you are going to use a border uh, discontinuity design. You know, this implies looking at stores that are on both sides of a frontier, such that on one side of the frontier, the minimum wage changed in the other uh, did not. You said that there are 70 changes. How are these uh, changes generated? Who decided to change the minimum wage and where?
1: So these are a combination of county-level variations in the minimum wage, store-level variations, and occasionally also some city-level variations. So these are all levels that are set up above the federal level. Um, And so what we do in the paper is that we use the prevailing minimum wage in a given location. Um, This may be the minimum wage which is set up at the city, county, or state level, And and these are the variations we use. So when we say 70 minimum wage variations, it can happen either at the state level or at more local level, like the county or the city.
0: If the federal government has the minimum wage at 10, the state at 11, the county at 12, and the city at 13, the minimum wage will be 13, correct?
1: Exactly, exactly. The prevailing one is going to be the highest of any of those of the levels.
0: So I guess that one worry here, not specific to your paper, but just in general, is that other pieces of legislation may be changing, coinciding with the change in the minimum wage. For instance, maybe the mayor of a city decides to increase the minimum wage, but also introduce new uh, labor regulations to maybe decrease the likelihood that workers are fired or something like this. Is this a concern at all in your setting or or these decisions are always taken completely unrelated to any type of regulation or legislation in the relevant jurisdiction?
1: So I guess... There are a couple of things we do in the paper. The first thing we can do is that we can show that areas where the minimum wage change change are actually very similar to the other areas in terms of policies, but also also in terms of trends, for example, firm profits or other variables which we observe. So we can really look at the pilot, sort of look at the parallel trend assumption and look at whether our treated counties sort of evolve in the same way as our as our control counties before a minimum wage changes. And then we can see, we can look at what changes in contemporaneously with this minimum wage. And we document in the paper that, you know, typically the policies of minimum, I mean, these policies that we look at do not occur at the same time as our other policy changes. But the other thing which is which is important in our design is that we're also going to leverage within worker variation in the minimum wage. So we are going to have worker fixed effect. So effectively, what we do is within worker, we leverage within worker variation. So we are going to to assess the effect of the minimum wage on worker productivity with worker fixed effect. And this will help um, in this sense. So we are really going to compare workers with worker fixed effect in in stores that are treated uh, relative to to stores that are not treated on the other sides of the same border, but with with worker fixed effects.
0: You have said three things. Number one, we look at parallel trends. Number two, we find more or less formally but that there doesn't seem to be other type of changes, policy changes that coincide uh, with the change in the minimum wage. And number three, we introduce worker fixed effects. I will say that of the three arguments, the second one to me sounds the, the most persuasive because... If something is changing contemporaneously, then the the pre trends or parallel pre trends are not going to help you because it's a shock that is taking place exactly at the same time as the as the one that whose effect you are trying to identify. And with respect to the worker fixed effects, say that some mayors uh, introduces a, a regulation in which uh, the minimum wage goes up, but also at the same time it becomes harder to fire workers. Right, the same worker might be reacting to both types of policy elements at the same time. And then, you know, the face the that you may find may be confounded.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But maybe may confounding both type of elements. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess that the next question is, what do you find? Uh, what do you find that are the effects of the minimum wage on performance? Both on average, and as we mentioned, it is important to separate by different types of workers, so, so depending on where you are in the distribution of ability.
1: Exactly. So Let me start with the finding on the average worker. So using our rich worker level data, we are basically going to find, we found that an increase in the minimum wage causes uh, individual productivity to go up. Um, more specifically, so what we find, just to give you some magnitude, is that a one dollar increase in the minimum wage raises average individual performance for the average worker by 4.5%. Now, as you exactly said, Jordi, it's important to think of who increased their productivity, exactly because the model, especially because the model tells us that those who should increase their productivity the most are the low types, so the low ability types. And we see that for these low ability types, their performance go up by nearly 23% when the minimum wage increases by $1. So the effect is strong uh, and statistically significant for these types. Now for median types, those we define as median types, we also see some increase, less strong, uh, but still positive because to some extent, the medium types in our samples are also impacted by the minimum wage. Uh, sometimes their pay is below the minimum wage and they are topped up. And then the high types are not impacted significantly by the minimum wage because their pay is just simply not affected by a higher minimum wage.
0: So you have a section called Threats to Identification and Robustness Checks that has nine subsections. (laughs) I don't want to, we don't really have time to go through all of them. But I was wondering whether you could um, describe the, the subsection in which you estimate or try to get to the same type of question but using what you mentioned earlier was a panel data set as opposed to a border discontinuity data set how does a panel data set work and what do you find
1: yeah so the panel data set basically we just use workers all workers we have in our sample and we run our regression on all workers in our sample using a panel um, standard panel specification with fixed effects In the border discontinuity design, what we effectively do is that we eliminate, we drop a lot of data. In the border discontinuity design, basically, we only keep observations, workers, that are in stores that are on each side of the border. So this obviously shrinks the sample size a lot. Just basically, the idea is to show, the idea of this sample is to replicate the results you know, in the panel sample, which has been used in the literature on the effect of the minimum wage on employment, this panel sample has been used. And so basically the idea was just to replicate the result in that, other, in that other sample, the full sample of workers. And we find very similar results in that other sample.
0: I am curious about how this panel dataset works after you have told me that the minimum wage can be different for different workers in the same state. Right. Like we mentioned earlier that you may be in a state that has a minimum wage of 12, but you're in a county with a minimum wage of 13 and in a city with a minimum wage of 14, which means that to you, the minimum wage is 14, whereas other workers in the same state might have a lower minimum wage. How, which one do you choose for a state?
1: So here we have observations at the county level, uh, at the worker level, and so we use the, so in the, in the paper, we use a prevailing minimum wage, the highest. So we still use the prevailing minimum wage, the, the minimum wage that effectively applies to the worker. And um, the only thing is that we do not restrict the sample to border, uh, to border counties. So the, basically, we effectively run our regression. On, on all workers we have avail- we have data for. We also use within-state variation, and we still have worker fixed effects. So basically, the specification is similar, um, and we use within-state variation, but we don't restrict. So basically, it's really a question here of which sample we restrict on. So here we use th- the full sample, and we have a few different controls because we don't have. So in the border discontinuity design, we have county pairs times month fixed effects. In the state panel specification, we have a different number of controls. And in fact, we show the results are robust regardless of what fixed effect you use. So we have a specification with work and month fixed effects, another one that adds linear state trends, uh, another one that adds census division times month fixed effects, and we do a number of robustness you know, with, with all these fixed effects. But the, but the minimum wage we use is still the prevailing minimum wage. So if the city minimum wage is higher than the state minimum wage, you use the city minimum wage as a prevailing minimum wage for worker in a given store.
0: So I want to go now back to the second set of uh, predictions that we are mentioning earlier, that have to do with the role of monitoring uh, in the optimal level of effort by the worker. So we said that if there is a high monitoring, then increasing the minimum wage is going to increase the effort, but especially for the low types who are the ones that are most worried of losing their job if they are found to be shirking. Whereas if there is uh, no monitoring, then everybody's anyway exerting zero effort. I mean, the low types are exerting zero effort, so the minimum wage has no effect on them. How do you measure empirically whether there is high monitoring or low monitoring?
1: So what we do is that we leverage the fact that we see variation in the number of supervisors per worker in the store. And in fact, we see variation both across stores, but also variation over time within a store. And the variation we are going to use is the within store variation in the number of supervisors per worker. And so we are going to define a store as being a high monitoring store, a store in which in a time period in which there are many supervisors per worker, and a store with low monitoring a store with few supervisors per worker.
0: So if I know as the company knows how much each worker is producing, selling uh, every month. Why do I need to monitor them separately through their supervisors?
1: So the, the way we model all this, and I think which reflects reality, is that one thing is sales per hour, which is productivity, but the other thing is effort. And effort and productivity are two, you know, are different. So productivity is observed, you observe how much you sell per hour, but to know how much effort is provided uh, you need to monitor. So let me just give you an example of a situation where you may well do a lot of effort, of effort but your productivity may be low. So for example, imagine you sell um, you know, at a time schedule where there are very few people entering your store. You may be very motivating, providing effort when a client comes, comes come in, but you just have few clients coming in. and So your productivity, how much you sell is low, and yet you provide high effort. So there is a distinction between effort and productivity, and the idea is that when you have high monitoring, um, you you are better able to know if the worker provides high effort or not.
0: So the example that you gave is an example in which I will say perhaps that in a in a static setting you are completely right, but if I have uh, sufficient realizations of productivity for the same worker uh, over time, that is, if I'm not observing the productivity of these workers just today, but over a two-month horizon, then these uh, shocks are hopefully going to be idiosyncratic, and the average of productivity is going to be a very good measure of effort. I think that probably, I mean, in my opinion, maybe like a, a better a better um, explanation of this, which I'm sure is also compatible with your setting, is that productivity as measured quantitatively is not everything. That is, you want to have like um, a more comprehensive uh, view of what workers do because they may be selling a lot, but then on other dimensions, maybe treating their colleagues very rudely or not helping afterwards to restock things and so on.
1: Yeah, you're totally right, Jordi. Now, the the way we write a model is slightly different from what you're saying, but I think you're totally right in practice that productivity is how much you sell. Um, now, obviously, when you think about output, I mean, in a way you care about how you sell, but you may care about customer satisfaction and if the customer will come back in the future. I mean, there are many dimensions of you know, performance quantity, uh, but also quality, which, which may be harder to observe if you don't have um, enough monitoring.
0: In the same way that we were mentioning that the optimal contract might be endogenous, Uh, to the presence of the minimum wage, even though that's something that empirically doesn't happen here, the number of supervisors per worker is an endogenous variable. Is it a problem that it is an endogenous variable dynamically? That is that whenever there is like a change in the minimum wage, the local manager is uh, adapting the number of supervisors? Or might it also be a problem that For whatever maybe like a time invariant characteristics of the technology of selling in a particular store with a certain type of product and so on, that variable is also endogenous.
1: Yeah, so just empirically what we do is that we use the ratio of supervisors to worker before the change in the minimum wage um, to use a variable that is not directly impacted by the minimum wage. So in the paper, we actually look at whether this measure of what we call coverage, but basically this measure of supervisors to workers, do react to the change in the minimum wage. And theoretically, it's not exactly obvious in which direction it should change and how. We document that we don't actually see any uh, significant effects of the minimum wage on um, this measure of supervisors to workers. Um, now, we really use this measure in a way as an heterogeneous uh, as a heterogeneous effect, but I think it would be very nice to have. And, and there are some papers looking at how minimum wage impacts monitoring. This is sort of we're not really like in this paper. This is really not the core focus of it, but but and in a way that's why we use the predetermined the the, the level before the, the change in the minimum wage here to sort of you know stay away f- uh, from this. But we do look at the effect, uh, and we don't see any effect on monitoring.
0: So, so, I mean, the point is taken, you are now talking about the, the dynamic uh, reaction of the monitoring uh, intensity to changes in the minimum wage, but already on the pre-existing levels, different jobs may be associated uh, with different monitoring intensities. Uh, for instance, the two things that we were mentioning earlier, let, let, let us focus on the one that you mentioned. Productivity is not a perfect measure of effort, you said earlier, because there may be shocks that take place over time such that maybe no customer enters the store on Friday and therefore whatever effort I, I want to put, I cannot sell anything at all. So this variability in the presence of shocks is going to depend a lot across type of product or or location of the store and so on. That's something that is, let's say, static. It's, that's not going to change with the minimum wage. But that is maybe going to uh, affect the monitoring intensity, right? Because um, if this thing that you mentioned doesn't happen at all, then I don't need any supervisor. Uh, If it happens a lot, then I need a lot of supervisors. Is this a problem? My my instinct is no. It's not a problem that on the levels monitoring intensity uh, is endogenous. Because if the monitoring intensity was like a perfectly reacting such that all workers are essentially identically monitored, either you know, through the performance measure or alternatively through the ratio of supervisors to workers, then your variable will be meaningless and you will find zero effects, right? So in some sense, your test is a test of the composite hypothesis that this variable means something and then that it reacts uh, in the way that your model predicts.
1: I think what you said is, uh, is totally correct. What we use here, so so maybe I didn't fully hundred percent get it, but what we use here, we never use across. This is maybe not important. We never use across stores variation in monitoring. We use, we always look at a given at the given store. You know, at times where there is like there are more supervisors workers versus times in which there are less. Like in a way, this could be related with with other things.
0: What do you find here in terms of the like? I guess it would be the triple interaction. Between changes in the minimum wage, high versus low ability worker, and high versus low ability monitoring. Uh, High versus low monitoring.
1: Yeah, exactly. And monitoring being um, measured before the minimum wage change. So basically what we find, we split the stories into periods in which they have high versus low ability with the measure I explained before. And what we find is that the increase in productivity happens only when there is high, what we call coverage, which is basically high monitoring. So basically, when there is high monitoring, we do see that low work, uh, low type workers are more productive, and so and, and this is consistent with the fact that if there is a higher minimum wage and you re- you care about not losing the job and you are in a setting where um, by providing more effort you're less likely to be terminated, well then you provide more effort with a higher minimum wage. When there is instead no monitoring, we actually find. Um, we find that for the average workers, productivity actually goes down. So, if I have to summarize these results, remember I told you about two mechanisms. One mechanism is the what we call in the paper the pay-for-performance mechanism, which states that when the minimum wage is higher, workers provide less effort because the incentive structure is flattens. And the other mechanism is the efficiency wage mechanism, where you provide more effort because you don't want to you lose your job. Basically, we find that which mechanism prevails depends on how much monitoring you have in the source. If there is high monitoring, um, the average worker provides more effort. If there is low monitoring, the average workers provide less effort. And so basically, the results flip depending on how much monitoring there is.
0: This was a focus, The I mean, as is written in the title, The effects on productivity, but uh, as an aside, you also study effects on other variables such as turnover or employment. What do you find there?
1: What we find is that turnover goes down. And more specifically, what we see is that low types who are on average more productive with a higher minimum wage are less likely to be terminated. And this is consistent with them providing more effort and the firm terminating them less. Now, to look at the other results on turnover and hiring, we move from a worker-level analysis to a store-level analysis. And on average, what we find is that when the minimum wage increases, so as I told you, termination goes down, especially in stores where there are many low types. um, And on average, we see that employment doesn't change. And this is because lower termination is actually coupled with lower hiring. Uh, so in general, there is less turnover um, and employment doesn't change on average, which is actually consistent with some of the more macro level evidence that uses border discontinuity uh, border discontinuity design on the minimum wage not having impact on employment, except that obviously we only look at one firm here uh, and not the economy. So in terms of turnover, higher minimum wage, less turnover, but the same, uh, same employment. So that's one thing we look at. And then we also look at output and profits. And on output, we see that a higher minimum wage increases output, on average output, which is consistent with workers being more productive and selling more. So we see that output increases, but overall profits still go down. Uh, So here, to some extent, the story is one that says workers are more productive. So this somehow compensates for the increased labor costs, but not fully. So it partially offsets the labor costs, but not fully. So the increase in output is there, but it doesn't compensate for the increase in the wage bill, for the increase um, in how much you have to pay workers, because firms have to pay workers more when there is a higher minimum wage when they're not productive. And on the net, there is still a loss in profits. But maybe that loss in profit would have been, in fact, that loss in profit would have probably been larger had there not been a pro- an endogenous productivity response.
0: So is there any type of like a conclusion here in terms of a policy? Um, I guess that the most naive uh, conclusion from my perspective would be, well, if the minimum wage has any type of detrimental effects, at least it has the positive say that workers are going to work harder um, and therefore the economy is going to create a bigger pie and therefore maybe the optimal um, minimum wage is a little bit higher than we knew before the paper. Is this like a naive conclusion or do you want to qualify that?
1: No, I think it's not a naive conclusion. Now, the only thing though is that obviously our paper provides some suggestive you know, evident it comes from one firm. So, obviously, taking the result to the whole economy, I mean, it requires more work. Uh, but I think it's right. This is what, you know, this is what the paper suggests um, in a way. Now, obviously, the, the endogenous effort increase does not offset the cost. So, we do see profits still going down, uh, but maybe not as much as actually other papers on firm profits have documented. So, I think, you know, I, I agree. Um, I agree with you.
0: Thank you, Erica, for coming to the podcast. Thank you! Please visit our website thevisiblehand.uk for links to any other papers that we may have discussed. Introductory Music and Logo by Etana Blanesiso, episode produced by Anderson Tan.